back to the podcast. And this is our final podcast on the keys to innovation. And we're going to take everything that we have learned uh, over the past weeks, we're going to wrap it up and give you a real plan to drive on and have a super innovative 2022. Welcome to Food Safety University. I'm Dr. Michelle Fannin-Steele, and this is the one podcast where you can get everything you need to know about food safety and how to run a food manufacturing plant for all of those small and local food manufacturers. If you are into local and sustainable food and agriculture, this is the podcast for you. Every week we cover new and original ideas around how to get the most out of your HACCP planning and how to get your plant up and running and continue running in a way that fulfills your dreams. So grab a pen and paper because every week you're going to need it. See you on the inside. Hello, my friends, and thank you so much for coming to the podcast. Uh, This has been uh, a great series about innovation, and I don't know about you, but I have sure learned a lot. And I think uh, one of the things that I have really learned about this is that innovation is what you make it to be. You know, in the world, you know, like in the business world, we tend to think of great big innovations, you know, um, like things that Apple unveils at the consumer electronics show, uh, uh, or new cars that were debuted at the, you know, the, the advertisements at the Super Bowl, right? But here's what I think. I think that when you combine resourcing yourself getting helpful help and time, then the real innovations are the things that you have done differently, okay? Now, I know y'all have heard me talk about doing differently on this podcast, but it's part of the after action process, right? What worked, what didn't work, and what are we gonna do differently? And I think you can truly only answer those questions from a space of really, really understanding your own internal resources, okay? So you can't, you know, you can't see what worked if you're not in a mental space to know that you're doing good work. Like how many of us go to work, right? And we know we have to follow the HACCP plan. We know we have to, you know, we have these, these, I don't know, SOPs that we're doing today. And we know we have to do those. And then at the end of the day, if you sit down and you say, okay, what worked here so that I can go and um, get a you know, like what worked here so that I can understand what I am doing better and, and, and do better tomorrow. Unless you know how to have the conversation with yourself to really understand what worked, I don't think that the after action process works really well. And, and, you know, I, I say this having worked with people where what becomes very, very apparent as we coach together and as we work on their businesses together and as they feel 
more comfortable in their own skin leading and, and making decisions and that sort of thing is that they can really look back and see what worked with a much clearer eye and they can look back and see what didn't work with a much clearer eye. And, and then that allows them to do differently, which is the innovation, right? It's taking the internal resources and adding in the helpful help to do something differently. And that itself is really quite amazing. And so we did all of this somewhat esoteric work here in these past couple of podcasts. And it all comes back to some of the stuff that I talked about at the very beginning of the podcast, right? It all comes back to the innovation that we allow ourselves when we ask those strive questions and particularly the S question in strive. Are you safe? Um, Okay. There is a whole lot of research out there um, for people who, who look into this sort of thing that when you are solving problems in survival mode, the only solutions that you will get are survival mode solutions. Okay. And that makes a difference um, when you finally get settled enough to pick your head up and say, okay, what's going on here? How can I evaluate and what can I do? And if you've been operating your HACCP plan in survival mode, right? You never know when the other shoe is going to drop. You never know what your inspector is going to say. You never know if you're going to pass that audit. It feels panicky and horrible, and you can't do anything differently because you don't have the internal resources to do anything differently. And so going to those strive questions, which I have, I feel like I've been talking about for a very long time, right? we look at those S questions in Strive. Um, And as you are looking to do differently, are you safe? Are you physically safe to do something differently? And I think about all the floors, all the manufacturing floors that I have been on where there are just like a lot of electrical hazards. Right? Even if you can convince yourself it's not that big of a deal to have extension cords going across a floor in a manufacturing facility, the energetic of that manufacturing facility is not one of safety. You know, we're covering we're covering a lot on um, uh, facilities in in Food Safety University this quarter. And one of the things I've been talking about is how your facility, talks to you, right? And I don't mean like hearing voices in your head talks to you. I just mean that if you listen, you will hear what your facility needs, right? If you can, but if your nervous system is like freaking out 100% of the time, you're never going to hear anything. You're not going to hear half of what people actually say to you, let let alone listening for the subtle things that your facility is telling you, (laughs) right? And sometimes those, those loud voices that say, I'm not safe here, okay, are the energetics of where you are. 
Do you feel safe in the building that you're in? There are a lot of really old manufacturing facilities. There are a lot of manufacturing facilities with very old, very heavy, very frozen things high up in the freezer where you're like, huh, wonder what's going to happen to me if I open this door. <laughs> right? And, and so I don't want anybody to give short shrift when they're bringing all of this stuff together and trying to find the keys to their own innovation and not understand that safety is at the heart of innovation. Okay. Because safety is at the heart of self-resourcing. And so ask yourself, am I physically safe here? Now, for most of you, I very much hope the answer is yes. <laughs> okay. And if it's not, let's fix that. These are often fixable problems. Let them get fixed. Um, okay. Then the next safe question in the Strive model is, is am I financially safe? Okay. So as I record this, interest rates are going up, inflation's going up a little bit. I'm not that worried about it, but people don't like it. We don't like it when, when, you know, our, the, the meat that we usually buy is now 30% more expensive. We don't like it when the gas that we put in the truck now costs us 65 bucks to fill up, uh, right? All of that leads to a deep sense of financial insecurity and lack of safety. Okay. Now, most people who are listening to this podcast have the wherewithal to withstand the inflationary pressures that we have. We don't like them, but you know, we're raising our prices. I know I think all of my, all of my clients have raised their prices. Um, and we are figuring things out and we are making sure that our businesses are running with the new reality of what our raw materials cost, which is what every business has to do. And, you know, I, I'm, I'm going to put a little sidebar in here. The, the Walmart model that the, you know, now have two and a half generations, uh, Gen X, Millennials and Gen Z um, have lived with where prices go ever downward is an anomaly in human history. That's never been the case. And that Walmart writes that into their supplier contracts doesn't actually change the laws of economics. Um, okay. And so <laughs> this, but the thing is, is that that's been the prevailing wisdom is that things get less expensive over time because we get better at manufacturing them. We get better at, you know, and more efficient and, and, and there's a lot of our business plans that are predicated on that, but what it doesn't take into account is that other costs go up. All right. Like, Raw materials become scarce. Um, just in time, supply chain manufacturing may not work in food, guys. Uh, you know, and so there are there are there are pricing there are real pricing pressures that are um, that that those account for. And so, but the problem is, is that right now they're coming on the heels of a pandemic, and they're they're. I mean, it's it, you know, like if we look at wages. Wages have been suppressed my entire life, uh, and I was born in the early 70s, <laughs> right? And so this financial 
instability is something most of us don't know that we don't don't have any experience living without right i mean like as a gen x or hell i bought a house in 2006 right a last shirt on it and so financial insecurity is like a real thing even if you have a roof over your head even if you have food to eat that assumption that many of our parents had that you could work a 40-hour work week and take vacation and save for retirement, that's not the reality for many of us. And there is a deep sense of lack of safety that is there. And it doesn't do any good to ignore it. You need to face it head on in you and you need to face it head on in your staff if you were to have any innovation at all, um, okay? You can't innovate from a place where we're not telling the truth about the money, right? Mm, that's the first step. Mm, that's the first step is to tell the truth about the money, okay? And then the third question in safety is, are you emotionally safe? You know, I had a whole entire podcast series on toxic work environments, right? And I have been doing a lot of, I've been doing a lot of research and, and reading peer-reviewed studies and, and doing a lot of thinking about this safety and how people get burnt out um, and thinking, thinking on how to, how to make workplaces more pleasant environments for my customers, right? And I wanted to, I really want to talk about toxic work environments uh, from a place of innovation, because we can't innovate. So we can't innovate in a toxic work environment, right? And, and we all, they, I mean, I think we all intrinsically sort of understand that that's not possible. And when we look at these toxic work environments, there's a failure of leadership. Toxic work environments by many people have been defined as places where there's instability and bullying, where there's significant criticism, shaming and belittling, and where there's complete lack of action and clarity and accountability. That those things happen is a failure of leadership, okay? Innovation takes leadership. It takes leadership to call out those sorts of things when they happen, because those all happen. Lack of clarity and accountability. Lord Almighty, that, I mean, that's almost in my head, like a prerequisite program for a toxic work environment, right? And if you have lack of clarity and accountability, it doesn't automatically or axiomatically, I guess, make it a toxic work environment, but it sure does create the conditions to create a toxic work environment, so, right? If you have clarity and accountability and great communication, I would posit to say a toxic work environment isn't coming. And I think the opposite of a toxic work environment is an innovative work environment where people feel safe. And if people don't feel emotionally safe in your work environment, well, then that's a failure of leadership. And I am, and, and I am not here to blow smoke, as I usually say to tell you that uh, your um, individual work, uh, you know, 
unless you are the leader, will make up for that lack of leadership. If you're the leader, then yes, your individual work, your individual self-coaching on how to resource yourself, on how to um, how to like show up to work as a strong leader that makes decisions, that treats people well, that creates clarity and action that that has standards, right? You know, we talk about standard operating procedures. Well, you know, those standard operating procedures can look like standards in your in your leadership, right? And things that are, you know, ways of communicating with each other or ways of allowing people to understand what is needed that are repeatable, that they it's the same way we do it team to team and, and person to person that we have these agreed upon ways we're going to do things. Uh, okay. That in many cases they're documented. This is why I have a whole entire employee manual in food safety university and that all our behaviors are super specific and we use them continuously and that they're all agreed to on a voluntary basis, right? That sounds like a pretty good work environment. That's a place where people can be emotionally safe with each other and innovate because it creates the condition. These standards create the condition for people to feel safe. That's why we write standard operating procedures. It's not, you know, we listen to my, listen to the, the, the rhetoric I use, creating the conditions to create safe food. Right? We could just as easily say creating the conditions uh, to create safe people, right? When everybody knows how that, how the, you know, preventive maintenance plan is supposed to go and what the swabbing plan looks like, nobody's worried. Uh, that's a safer work environment. Um, and that means something. Having safe work environments really does mean something. And so as we go forward and you look to innovate in your work environment, I want you to fall back on your prerequisite programs and ask yourself how well you're doing them. And if you're not doing them well, I want you to go look at how well are you internally resourced? How safe do you feel at work? Physically safe, financially safe, and emotionally safe. How well do you feel that at work, right? And Start using the tools that I have been talking about, about resourcing yourself. Come follow me on LinkedIn because I talk about this a whole lot on LinkedIn, right? And the finding of those resources to help you settle will then bring a settled energy to other people and it will allow them to give you helpful help. As you marry those two things together and you do your after action process and look at what worked and what didn't work and what you're gonna do differently, you will notice that that is a time bound process. Time will pass and you will innovate and you will innovate from a sense of safety. You will not innovate from a sense of survival. That which continues in safety, that which is innovated in safety will continue in safety. That is, which is, Innovated in survival will continue in survival. Necessity may be the mother of invention, right? But when you start doing something out of a sense of necessity or scarcity or fear, 
you'll keep doing it in that vein, right? What if you could then take all of this innovation and come to it from a sense of safety? That would be amazing. And that would be a real revolution, not even just an innovation in food manufacturing. All right, my friends, that's what we've got from the podcast this week. I love you all. Have a week full of awesome, and we'll see you next week. Bye, guys. Thanks so much for listening to the Food Safety University podcast. We'll be back next week. But in the meantime, I want you to go to dirgofoodsafety.com and go check out all the things that we have. If you haven't gotten your HACCP download, go get that or book a call with me and let's talk about getting you into Food Safety University. I'll see you on the inside.